You heard you could save big when you bundle home and auto with Progressive, so you went online to check it out. But then you saw a link for a survey about which type of bread you are. And now you're on question 17, barely scratching the surface of your bread identity. You always thought of yourself as a brioche, but are you actually more of a pumpernickel? Ah, yes. They said it was easy to save money bundling with Progressive, but they forgot about the rest of the Internet. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi, this is Manjula Narayan, National Books Editor, Hindustan Times, and this is the Books and Authors Podcast. It's a weekly podcast where I speak to authors who've got a new book out. Today I'm in conversation with Vinay Sitapati, who's written Jugal Bandi, the BJP before Modi. So, hi Vinay, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Manjula. It's great to be here. Okay. So, Vinay, you know, um, uh, this book is interesting, not just for, uh, you know, its examination of the relationship between Vajpayee and, uh, um, and Advani, but also... For I mean, towards the end of the book, mainly you kind of also refer to uh, uh, you know the current Jugalbandi. So it, it it's interesting that both these are kind of just juxtaposed, and also the history of Hindutva of the Hindutva movement. And and the thing I liked about the book is that you ha- you haven't been sort of emo when you're writing about, it, which is the problem with a lot of books these days. You know, you've been very clinical, and you've just set the facts there. Well, first up, I, uh, I'm, I'm glad you said that, Manjula, because I wrote this book with the, with, sort of the, with the promise to myself that at the end of this book, the reader won't have her or his blood pressure going up. That's not yeah. the purpose of this book. So, you know, mm-hmm. many of you will read this book and you will hate Modi and the BJP. This book is not going to convert you. And many mm-hmm. of you will read this book loving Modi or loving the BJP before Modi. And this book is not going to change your opinion at all, right? Mm-hmm. It's not the point. The point is, this is a, you know, Narendra Modi is a remarkably consistent figure. Much of what Hindu nationalism does is a consistent movement with a hundred year vision. And since mm-hmm. this idea of this new idea of India is here to stay, let's understand mm-hmm. its hundred year history. That was the aim mm-hmm. of it. And I'm happy that at least so far, the book hasn't, you know, some people have criticized small things here, there, but you know, it hasn't become an ideological football. And I think that mm. to that extent, I'm I'm quite happy. And uh, Manjula, the book looks at Vajpayee and Advani's 60-year relationship uh, with all mm. its ups and downs. But through that, it tells the story of 100 years of BJP before Modi. And it begins yes. in the 1920s, uh, which is also the birth decade of Vajpayee and Advani. And it's also the birth of Hindu nationalism. And one mm. of the provocative or original arguments I make in this book is that Hindu nationalism is a creature of elections, that India mm. is a group-based society. Even today, 99% of Indians live their lives on the basis of economic and social life on the basis of groups, caste, family, mm. religion, region. What lends mm. fluidity to Indian politics is the group definition keeps changing, but it's groups we're talking about, not interests. And in the mm. midst of this, the British introduced elections in India in the 1920s. They had already haltingly uh, introduced it in, from the 19th century itself. But really, elections are introduced for the first time in the 1920s. And it creates mm. panic among Indians. 
for example, the rich arist- Muslim aristocracy um, from the United Provinces, what is today Uttar Pradesh, uh, realized mm-hmm. that elections will confine Muslims to a minority. That word minority itself only makes sense in the context of elections, where mm-hmm. power is distributed according to numbers. And they yeah. begin to, the Muslim League begins to lobby right from early 20th century against one person, one vote. At the same mm-hmm. time, early Hindu nationalists love one person, one vote. For two reasons. One, why wouldn't they? Hindus are a social majority. And the 100-year project of the RSS, of the Jansang, or now of the BJP, is to convert Hindus into voting as one, into creating a Hindu vote bank. Um, And, um, you know, in that sense, Hindu nationalism is defined by elections. They're not anti-democratic. They're not liberal. They're majoritarian. But they are defined by elections. So, you know, this worry that, you know, they are fascist, they will end elections. Why on earth will Modi and Amit Shah win elections from morning to evening? That's all they think about. Mm-hmm. You mean why on earth would they end elections? That's right. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's an interesting bit where you say for the Hindutva uh, guys, the parliament is a, is a temple, right? Yes. Yes. So talk about that. Well, so that, that one of the arguments of the book is that, um, that you know, hin- that to understand Hindu nationalism, you have to understand Hinduism. So, in of course, in many ways, Hindu nationalism is a break from traditional Hinduism. But yes. some things are similar. And one thing that mm-hmm. is similar is that Hinduism does not have a theocratic vision. In other words, mm-hmm. it does not have an authoritative view of what the Hindu state should look like. Unlike, for example, Islam, where if you looked, you will be able to find some idea of a new Medina or a caliphate. There has been a papal state, right? Uh, when it comes to, when it comes to Christianity, it doesn't mean that the religion naturally lends itself to these ideas. But if you want it, there are resources within Islam and Christianity to think about a religious state. Hinduism simply doesn't have it. Hinduism doesn't have an authoritative institution like the Vatican. It does not have an authoritative text like the Quran. So it doesn't have a Hindu state. So when in the early 20th century, uh, democracy or, or the beginnings of democracy are entering India, it's surprising that no Hindu nationalist opposes elections, right? Because they don't have a resource within Hinduism to use as an opposition to the idea of one person, one vote. And what adds to it is that since Hindus are a social majority, one person, one vote can be used for them, right? So in that sense, you know, that's why Modi keeps saying, Vajpayee says that, you know, the temple of our democracy is parliament, right? So in some sense, the Hindu state is the elected democratic state that we are living in right now. Hmm. And, you know, Savarkar himself, who was not a liberal, he was a majoritarian, he himself Hmm. used to say that, you know, um, the precepts of Hindutva are perfectly compatible with democracy, you know, or the Hmm. or let's say let's call it the core principle of democracy, which is election. And notice that I'm not using democracy, Amanjula, in a normative sense. I'm using it in a descriptive sense where the main ingredient of a democracy is elections. You could have illiberal democracy. You could have unconstitutional or constitutional democracy. But I would say the main ingredient is free and fair elections. And the BJP is perfectly compatible with that. So that's, I think, one of the main ideas of the book. The other, of course, main idea of the book is um, the idea of Jugalbandi, of people who are different working together. And one of the things I found that defined the BJP then and now is there's an ideological sense of teamwork, right? It's not that they like each other. It's not that they even agree many of the times. I mean, I I don't think I'm revealing any state secrets to your listeners when I say that many in the BJP today don't like Modi and Amit Shah, but you'll hardly see them making a public scene, right? You'll hardly see them washing dirty linen in public. 
that's the ideology of the bjp that we are one family you know no matter what you know like there's a lot of tension within the family but even when there's tension within the family there's no break right and mm-hmm. i uh, i you know i i don't want to reveal more because i want your listeners to read the book but i provide mm-hmm. why the bjp is unique in this regard that unlike other political parties it doesn't split all that often it splits very yeah. rarely you know very rarely do you have a bjp leader taking 20 mlas to some resort somewhere and then bargaining to become chief minister that culture doesn't it happens once in a while but it doesn't happen yeah. very often and the yeah. answer to that i show in the book is something called hindu fevicol which is it's an organizational ethic of unity and in the book mm. i tell you how you get that and why yes. other parties who may not like the bjp who hate modi need to learn this from them that you have to as an organization stay united if you want your voters and supporters to stay united too hmm but this is also because uh, the bjp has its roots in in the rss right because it has a very strong ideological core there whereas the other parties don't seem to have that Well, but Manjula, that begs the next question, which I talk about in the last chapter, which is then why is the RSS united? Same problem, right? Now there are mm-hmm. RSS-like organizations in other parties. The Congress has something called the Seva Dal. It's an absolutely mm-hmm. moribund institution. Uh, the Bahujan <laughs> Samaj Party had something called the Bahujan Volunteer Force. Both these, mm-hmm. by the way, are especially the Bahujan Samaj Party were strongly ideological organizations, right? Um, mm-hmm. The Communist Party is a deeply um, ideological organization that doesn't prevent them. from splitting into mm-hmm. overground and underground and between cpi and cpim right so yes, the question right. is not ideology itself or even a cadre in the case of hindu nationalism it's an ideology that focuses on unity that's why the word mm-hmm. sang parivar right it's an organ yes. a family and organization so in that sense what i'm saying is kind of hidden in plain sight um because mm-hmm. you know if you say that the rss is the is the fevicol that sticks the bjp together why does the rss not split right after all mm-hmm. they are also indians they are drinking the same water as all of us and manjula mm-hmm. just look back to your own experience in journalism we indians mm-hmm. are prima donnas we don't like to work in in organizations you know if you have three indians you know they form four factions this is standard mm-hmm. indian process in that sense congress mm-hmm. constantly splitting is not unique to the congress congress is an mm-hmm. indian organization we are a group mm-hmm. society we don't like working in modern institutions and putting our ego in our pocket in the midst mm-hmm. of this what the bjp does is truly remarkable and in my book mm-hmm. i point to several factors why the bjp wins but this hindu fevicol is definitely the least written about okay okay and also this idea of defensive violence you know the this thing that you highlighted let's talk about that well so the rss in so this is a you know there are parts of my book that is supportive or or let's i would say sympathetic to the rss and bjp as a hard working organization that thrives under elections this is a critical part right and i i have no agenda here so i'm quite happy saying the truth no matter who gets irritated here which is right from the origin of the rss they have this sense that you know the the puny hindu the hindus are too weak you know at least upper caste hindus tend to be vegetarian to stand up against the more martial muslim right so this is embedded within their their psyche and when hegdewar creates the rss in the mid 1920s what is playing in his mind are the hindu muslim riots that is taking place in nagpur around that time and the mopla rebellion the malabar rebellion um, a few years prior um, in in what is today kerala where you yeah. had um, muslim tenants right 
turning mm-hmm. on their economic masters who happen to be Hindu and very quickly that economic tension becomes religious violence and Hindus are targeted for being Hindu. And there is mm-hmm. this this fear, this primal fear that the RSS has that unless, you know, you have a Hindu organization on a, on the street to protect mm-hmm. Hindus, Hindus by themselves are are not able to resist the more uh, martial Muslim. That, of course, mm-hmm. goes alongside their emphasis on unity, right? So mm-hmm. if you go to an RSS Shaka, you'll see them using sticks and doing physical exercise. So there's an emphasis on physicality, which is which mm-hmm. which comes from this idea of defensive violence. But equally, mm-hmm. they are doing things in concert. They are doing things together, right? Which is an mm-hmm. emphasis on staying united despite everything else. So these are the, this is the yin and the yang of of the RSS. But where I push back against critics of the the BJP is to argue that even though you know the link between violence and the BJP exists, that's not the reason they win, right? And many scholars who have written about this, um, I reached out to them. I say that have you found any evidence that but for the violence the BJP would not be winning? And they said no, we don't have scholarship to be able to say that, right? So mm-hmm. it's um, it's it's a running thread of my book, but. I think um, critics of the BJP sometimes overstate it to prevent um, themselves from doing the hard work of convincing enough Indian voters to vote against the BJP on election day. Hmm. Okay. So you're saying, and then you make this uh, comment also, the secret sauce of the BJP as well as the RSS was their unbending focus on unity. Yeah. 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 I mean, look right now, uh, Manjula, the Congress, there are 23 um, signatories to some kind of letter against Sonia Gandhi, very mild, nothing against Sonia Gandhi. They have been completely ostracized. I mean, the Congress doesn't waste an opportunity to split, to form factions, you know, palace intrigue. The BJP today is in power, right? You should have even more palace intrigue, even more factions, but it just doesn't happen, right? And ditto with the RSS. The RSS consists of individuals who I show in this book have different differences of opinion. On economics, they have different opinion. On foreign policy, they have different opinion from each other, right? The RSS, in that sense, on these matters is not a monolith. On Vajpayee's Mm -hmm. personal life, as I write in the book, in the early part of the book, the RSS has very different opinions, right? Yet Mm -hmm. they don't split. So the the, the argument I make endlessly in the book is the the this Hindu fevicol of the BJP is despite ideological differences within the organization, despite personality differences within the organization, even then they don't split. So it's not that they have some magic sort of ideology that others don't in the sense that, you know, even the communists have an ideology, even the communists have a yeah. harder. Why is it that mm-hmm. they split so much more than the BJP ever does? To give you just one mm-hmm. last example, again, Manjula, I know this is a books uh, podcast, but for the more politically minded, in the recent elections in Bihar, the Communist Party of India did pretty well. And some people were surprised. But if you know the history of the communist movement in Bihar, you shouldn't be mm-hmm. surprised because for the last several decades, the communists have a presence in Bihar because the just the social reality of Bihar is amenable to their ideology. But the, mm. the cardinal, you can say the original sin of the communists has been that right from the beginning, they have been fighting about whether they should be underground or overground, right? Whether mm. they should go into naxalism and challenge the state violently or whether they should use bourgeois democracy. That kind mm. of split has been fatal for the move for the communist movement. So this is another yeah. thing that they should learn from the BJP. So don't learn their ideology, but learn their obsession mm. with staying united overall else. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about the relationship between Vajpayee and Advani. I mean, you've pointed out that, you know, um, it rarely happens in India that two individuals, you know, that the boss 
can become the subordinate and then again become the boss and, and it causes no, uh, you know, split. So let's talk about that. And that happened frequent, often with uh, Vajpayee and a couple of times at least, right, with the two of them. Yeah. And just to give you context, Manjula, uh, we live in a country where, you know, uh, government servants, you know, they may have given an exam, you know, when they were in their 20s and they, you know, they are at a senior batch from somebody else. But 30 years later, when that person, quote unquote, supersedes, you know, the the person from the senior batch, the senior resigns, right? Even in school, college, we're obsessed about this idea of senior, junior. We should treat seniors with respect. And we hate it when a junior starts earning more than us, becomes our boss. I mean, that's, I mean, you know, I don't know whether this, this definitely has to do with the fact that India is a group-based hierarchical society. Is this true Mm -hmm. of other group-based hierarchical societies? I haven't done that. But that's the context in which the BJP and RSS um, are operating. In that context, you have a situation where Vajpayee is Advani's boss from basically 1957 all the way to 1986. Um, and mm. from between from 1968 to 86, Vajpayee is also the boss of political Hinduism, of the Jansang, mm. which is the precursor party to the BJP and then the BJP itself from 1980 onwards. In 1986, mm. he's removed from the post of BJP president by the RSS. And from 1986 to 1995, as the party takes a more radical direction, it's Advani who's the face, who's the boss, and Vajpayee wordlessly serves under him. Once again, in 1995, as the BJP needs to moderate itself to get coalition allies to stay in power, Vajpayee becomes the prime prime ministerial face and the prime minister eventually in 96, 98, and again for five years from 99 to 2004, It's Vajpayee who is boss and Advani serves under him. There are tensions, Mm -hmm. right? Especially between 98 and 2004 when Advani feels slighted. But it's like an odd couple squabbling in the park. You know, they shout at each other, (laughs) etc, etc. But ultimately, they go home and don't divorce, right? And Mm -hmm. I found that was in some sense the original clue to this larger story that Jugal Bandi, which as you know, is not just two musicians playing, but typically two musicians who are different from each other playing, right? Mm-hmm. Was not just the, the way to think about Vajpayee and Advani. It was the way to think about the BJP. Because during that period, okay. you had Manohar Joshi who didn't like Advani all that much. Yet they don't split. Mm-hmm. They don't form new parties, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, in that sense, Vajpayee and Advani's remarkable staying together despite ups and downs, despite personal ups and downs, despite professional ups and downs, is really the story of the movement itself. Hmm. Okay. That's Vinay Sitapati, author of Jugalbandi, The BJP Before Modi, a very interesting book indeed. This was a Hindustan Times production, brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.